Midas Pharo looking for two. Doncaster straight. Can he do it again? Light up the world is getting up near the fence. But Pharo, Pharo dashed to the lead from Abbe Glenn and light up the world, followed by Aragen and Brave Warrior. But Gavin Eads goes for home on Pharo. Look at Auntie Mary. Auntie Mary out of the back. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. This is the time of year when Sydney's metropolitan racetracks get a brief respite. The Gosford Race Club is gearing up for its most important meeting of the year on Saturday, May 6th, when the half million dollar The Coast for three and four year olds over one mile will highlight a top program. The Coast last year launched a unique treble for the Chris Lees trained rustic steel who next start won the Scone Cup and a few months later the inaugural Big Dance. Co-features at Gosford will be the listed Gosford Gull Cup and the listed Takeover Target Stakes. The feature sprint was originally known as the Pace Setter Stakes, famously won by Takeover Target in 2004. And not surprisingly, the Pace Setter was renamed the Takeover Target Stakes in 2009. The Gosford Entertainment Grounds will be fairly humming on Saturday, May the 6th. Action swings to the hunter on Friday, May 12th, and the Scone Cup and the English two-year-old challenge will highlight the first day of the carnival. Saturday the 13th will see five stakes races run on the Scone track. The Group 3 Dark Jewel for Phillies and Mares along with the Luscan Star, the Hortensia, the Denise's Joy and the Woodland Stakes. The championships are done and dusted for another year but there's plenty happening on the Central Coast and in the Hunter 6th, 12th and 13th of May. There was a bizarre accident in the Doomben mounting enclosure on Saturday the 8th of April. Mashani Spartan was parading with eight other three-year-olds when a freak gust of wind sent two wheelie bins flying down the stairs on the first level of the grandstand. Mashani Spartan spooked, reared up, threw his head back and gave jockey CJ Graham a sickening whack in the face. CJ was dislodged, semi-conscious, bleeding profusely from the nose. The horse was a late scratching. CJ was stood down from further rides and taken to hospital. Diagnosis, a fracture to the nose and almost instant bruising. Fast forward to Monday at Port Macquarie and doctors cleared her to ride at Ballina on Tuesday the 11th. She couldn't get there quickly enough. For four rides, one of them won. Morning has broken for Daniel Bowen. When you've had two broken wrists and three fractured vertebrae in the last four years, who's going to worry about a smack in the nose? CJ Graham, daughter of Evergreen Northern Rivers jockey Peter Graham, was a little slow in deciding to be a jockey, but once the call was made, there was no holding her back. She became apprentice to Port Macquarie trainer John Sprague, who remains one of her staunchest supporters. Her father rode work alongside CJ for close to two years before he allowed her to ride in races. She was an immediate success and rode so well she was snapped up by Team Snowden at Randwick, where she spent 18 months. She returned to Port Macquarie in mid-2020 with a few rough patches ahead of her, but the very resilient and very tough CJ Graham has bounced back every time. 
I've got her on the line. CJ, welcome to the podcast. Lovely to chat. Thanks so much for having me on, John. It's an absolute honour. It's a pleasure. It's not hard to imagine your initial reaction when that horse smacked you in the hooter on the 8th of April. What did you say under your breath? To be honest, I probably wasn't crying because of the pain. I was more so just disappointed that I was on the ground again and knowing I had to get back up, you know, it um it it does get hard getting knocked down so many times, but um mm. that's probably one of the first things you learn when you start riding. When you come off, you just got to get back up and and get back on, but um I was definitely disappointed, but it was just a freak accident and one of those things that couldn't be avoided. A quick winner at Ballina on the Tuesday was the best possible tonic. Took that horse a long time to win, though, didn't it? Yes, I um I knew once, you know, the pain had died down and whatever that it was just a broken nose, so I thought I don't need a nose to ride, so I'm definitely <laughs> going to be riding on Monday. So I took I took the next two days off and then, yeah, rode at Ballina Monday and um, riding the winner definitely made me feel as though I made the right decision to keep pressing on and, um, yeah, it was a cherry on top. And they've continued the flow. You rode a winner at Port Macquarie last Sunday. Uh, that was the 16th. You rode another one at Grafton on the Tuesday. So um, the aches and pains are slowly dissipating. Yeah, definitely. The winners definitely uh, make everything flow a little easier, but that was good to uh, get that winner at Port. That was my first winner back for Jenny um, since I'd been out with injury and um, another winner for Ethan, which is good. His um, horses are going really well at the minute, so hopefully I can continue the winners on up this way in Brisbane with the claim. So I, I can't seem to... To crack them at the moment, I can ride a winner without a claim but not with one at the moment, yeah. so hopefully that'll change. You just mentioned a couple of trainers there and we're referring to Jenny Graham, who is not related, and Ethan Ensby, who's slowly making his mark as a trainer in northern New South Wales. Now, CJ, you and your partner, Kirk Matheson, live on a lovely 25-acre farm at Lake Innes near Port Macquarie but you're both doing plenty of travelling. You seem to be getting to Brisbane frequently, where trainers appreciate that claim, and Kirk's all over the place too. You often travel together, don't you? Yes, we do. Um, it was uh, one good thing while we were both off injured. We had the property there to um, keep us busy and keep us focused on um, getting back and we're able to poke around and do a lot of things there at home in the meantime. But now we're both... Back in the full swing of things, we're definitely um, relying on my parents. They live just around the corner, so they're a massive helping hand when it comes to feeding up the animals and stuff when uh, we're away racing. Your Christian name continues to intrigue people. CJ, one word. Was it a creation by your mum and dad? Uh, they actually found my name in a form guide. Believe it or not, it oh. wasn't after a horse. It was actually a greyhound's name and they just Goodness. changed the spelling of it. And to this day, I still haven't met anyone with the same name. Mm. You took a while to make up your mind to be a jockey, strangely enough. Yeah, I did. Um, I always just loved horses and I remember just begging for a pony as a kid. But uh, where we lived at the time, we didn't really have acreage to have a pony and I used to go to the track work and stuff with dad and always be patting the horses and things. But, um, yeah, just what wasn't into riding early on and it wasn't until I got a pony around the age of, oh, I think it was about 14 mm. that, um, 
I got really keen about riding, not race riding or track work even, just, you know, loving and enjoying the horses. Um, and then I started working afternoons um, at John Sprague's mm. and I really just enjoyed being around the horses and I, I thought, how good is this? I, I get paid to, you know, just work with horses. It was mm. it was great. Um, and then I remember asking Dad one afternoon if I could start to ride track work and I remember being very scared to ask him because I thought the answer would have been no. Mm. Um, but he said, yes, you can, but if you're going to do it, you're going to do it my way and the right way. And, um, yeah, I've just been very lucky to have his guidance all along. Mm. Speaking of guidance, you were very fortunate to gain your start with John Sprague, who'd been a jockey himself and he's a very good trainer. He maintains a wonderful strike rate with a small team of horses. He's on a roll at the moment. Yeah, he's a very good trainer. His horse, he always presents his horses really well and he definitely, um, does great things with his horses and um, it's a credit to him and dad like I said they taught me everything I know and uh, he was patient with me when I was learning to ride you know I only I rode the pony around the track for quite a long time and then progressed on to one quiet race horse and then that turned into two and it was never rushed and um, I was fortunate enough you know not to have too many falls while I was learning because they did take their time with me and um he'd put me on all the gallops and things like that and still to this day he's one of my biggest supporters he's um he's a great person Mm. well your dad rode alongside you for almost two years I mean what a luxury for any apprentice to have personal tuition from a jockey of Peter Graham's vast experience yeah, I couldn't couldn't be more lucky in that sense. Um, you know, just from even travelling to the races and talking about the form of the horses on that day, and then you get that on the drive home as well. What you've done good and what you've done wrong. Um, yeah, I just it, that's invaluable, really. Um, we'd watch replays after every um, race meeting, and still to this day, um, I'll ring him up, or we're always talking about our rides and things like that, but even out there, just being able to bounce things off him and stuff, I, yeah, I've learnt so many things off him and still a lot to learn. He's a remarkable bloke, your dad. He's been riding up and down the north coast for something like 38 years with enormous success. He's ridden more than 2,300 winners and he is still booting them home. He's had opportunities to leave the mid-north coast he has never looked like leaving. No, he definitely loves it where he is um, and he's um, made such a great impact on uh, country racing. He's one of the best without a doubt and, um, yeah, it's just a credit to him. You, you can tell how much he loves the horse because, you know, even after having those few years off with an injury um, mm. at his age and he's, he's back, you know, riding winners and, and doing what he loves, yeah. Um, no, he's he's fantastic. Nowadays, of course, he's the holder of a dual licence. He trains and rides his own horses, but he does throw an occasional one the way of his daughter. You've ridden a handful of winners for him. I think the first was a horse called Gull Card last year. Yes, that was um, such an exciting day. Um, I definitely won't ever be forgetting that. Um, just... 
I just couldn't have dreamt, you know, for it to go any better. And I, I won on him a showcase meeting, and then his next start, I won on him again. Um, it was just probably one of my biggest thrills, you know, one of the happiest moments coming back in to see Dad's smiling face. Um, mm. And in the short time that he's been training, he's doing really, really well with his horses. He yeah. always has them presented well, and they, you know, always in the in the top four most times when they go around that he's, he's got them going really well. Mm, he had some frustration not long ago when he suffered a shoulder injury, I think in a track fall, and it took forever to come right. It developed into a condition known as frozen shoulder. I think at one stage he'd just about given up on returning to the saddle. Yeah, the doctors just said, you know, it needs time and he had a couple cortisone shots to ease the pain and help things along, but it did just take time and um, he was lucky that he was able to, you know, give it that time, but he did think it wasn't going to come right and probably so why he went down the training path because he thought it wasn't going to get any better. But with giving it that time off and going down the training path, it um it just improved as time went on Um yeah, and thank God because it's nothing worse than, you know, trying to manage pain all the time and now he's got to go back and do what he loves and he's getting to do the best of both worlds at the moment. Well, Dad's in his mid-50s. I think the family would have tried to discourage his comeback as a jockey. Am I right there? It also yes. would have fallen on deaf ears, I'll bet. Yes, I said to him, what do you want to come back for? Why don't you just train? But he just he just loves it that much and I, I guess it's um that adrenaline rush and, and that thrill um, you'll never probably none, none of us none of us jockeys will probably ever get sick of feeling that No You know between your 18 month stint in Sydney and Dad's long absence with the frozen shoulder you really haven't ridden in races with him uh, all that often you are now currently but, um, you know, people would assume that you've been around together a million times. That's not the case. No, it's not the case at all. Um, yeah, like like we said earlier on and then that bit of a gap in between with me being away and him being injured and um, now we're both back and it is pretty cool to be back out there with him. Um, we went side by side in a race there the other day at Port Macquarie and um, I'm still definitely in awe of um, of how he can you know, get out a horse, he's, he's very strong on him and he's very um, effective on them and um, I love being able to follow him in a race and just being out there with him and both being able to do that we love and share our passion together. It is it is really cool. Mm. He knows where he's going, doesn't he? He definitely does. If I can, <laughs> if I can follow him, I will. The unforgettable occasion of your first race ride came almost six years ago on Unique Miss trained by John Sprague on your home track at Port Macquarie, and you ran fourth of 15. I'd have been pretty proud of that. Yes, um, that still seems like yesterday when you said six years. I thought, gee, that can't be right, but mm. time just flies. Um, yes, it was an exciting day that day, and I had another ride on the day as well. Um, but, yeah, that just doesn't seem that long ago. <laughs> no. Well, about nine days later... It happened at Armadale. You won your first race on a mare called Miles Moment for Graham Payne over the cup distance of 1,900 metres. 
That means you had to go around that very sharp turn out of the straight at Armadale. She wasn't an easy ride either, was she? No, she got a bit keen um, middle stages. I remember I had, um, I think it was Maddie Bennett outside me throughout the run and he kept saying, come back, come back off heels because it was getting a bit mm. bit strong with me through the mid stages. Um, and the senior riders are so good like that. You know, when you're, when you're starting out, they're all happy to help and, and help you around and things like that. But um, I remember straightening up and the horse that I was following rolled off the fence and I got the run straight up the paint and, mm. um, yeah, she was just too good. It was a super, super day and, yeah, you, you never forget your first winner. Oh, no, but to put the icing on the cake that day at Armadale, your dad rode two winners himself on the same cart. He did. He had a he had a great day that day, and I I won't forget um, his face when I come back in after riding that winner. I think um, he was uh, prouder than anyone. Mm. The winners were rolling, and you were rapidly making a name for yourself when that fickle old dame, Lady Luck, right on cue, brought it all crashing down. Grafton, November the eighth, two thousand and seventeen. You rode two early winners before going out on media maid in the Jacaranda Cup. She fell in the home straight and you took the brunt of the impact on your left wrist, I think, and it was a mess. Yes, that's correct. I do um, remember that quite fondly and and I do remember the fall and I remember... um, just being really upset because I couldn't ride, but I remember sitting in the ambulance and Dad ran up to me. He was actually in the race. I think he jumped off his horse and handed it to someone else and mm. he ran up and I said, I want to ride in the last. I said, I think it can win. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the adrenaline must have just been that high that, you know, I was um, unaware of how, how badly I was hurt and I just remember Dad saying, you're not riding, you've broken your wrists, yeah. we're going to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it wasn't long into my career that that happened, so mm. it was um, pretty unfortunate. And um, I f- remember coming back after that injury and it felt as though I had to start again. Yeah. Incidentally, did the one in the last win? No, it didn't win, um, <laughs> luckily. But at least um, I had rode those two winners prior prior in that day and they were yeah. both for my boss, John Sprague. But, mm. um, yeah, it was a bit of a bugger having that injury at that time, you know, at yeah. that at that time, and and so soon in the career, because it was like I had to start over and learn how to do it all again. Yeah. Now, have I got this right? Despite several months out, you still had the cheek to bounce back and win the 2017-18 New South Wales Country Apprentices Premiership with something like 39 winners. Despite that absence. Yeah, that's correct. That wrist injury um, put me out for six months. I had two surgeries with that. Um, But once I was able to get back, things sort of took off again. And with the winners that I had built up prior to that injury, um, that got me over the line. And um, I actually had that goal set in sight. So when I did sustain that injury, I was pretty upset. I thought, you know, that's put me out of the running for that now. But um, that definitely would have got the fire in my belly to get back and and try and Mm. chase that title down. Now, how did you get to Sydney? What were the circumstances that brought you to the Team Snowden stables at Randwick? Um, 
um, one of the stewards from out west um, had helped me previously, like with my riding and and things like that. And uh, I think he put the good word in for me with Snowdens, and then uh, after that, I contacted them and they contacted me, and then it wasn't long after that, and I'd packed the bags and was headed down there. Oh, and what a wonderful eighteen months! I think you rode fifty winners or more for a number of trainers. And there were a few standout moments. You were stoked to win your first city race at a Canterbury night meeting on a mare called Military Magic for the Snowdens. I think you led all the way in that one. Yeah, it was fantastic. I got to ride a lot of um, really, really nice horses track work and um, she was a little horse that I'll hold close to my heart. Um, your first ever Metro winner and uh, went on to win another two on her, I think. Um, so she was a really good horse for me while I was down there. Mm, that was military magic. You know, what a funny game this is. You'd just ridden that first city winner and uh, you rode hand fast in the very next race for Richard Litt. And what happened? It won as well. I couldn't <laughs> believe it. I, 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 remember, I remember going home after that night meeting and I don't think I slept for hours because I was too busy just watching the replays over and over, I couldn't believe, mm. you know, that I was even in that position to be riding winners, let alone have ridden two on the night. So yeah. uh, definitely a night I won't forget. I was just absolutely buzzing. Mm. Well, a Friday night double was one thing, but your first Saturday Metro win was something else. It was for Matt Dale on a pretty good horse too called Man of Peace in a benchmark at Randwick. And it, uh, if memory serves me correctly, you and another very prominent young lady fought out a spirited finish. Cathy O'Hara was on the other one. He was a very good horse to apprentices, uh, man of peace, and it was a very, very exciting day. I had all Kirk's family down visiting, so they were there when I when I rode that winner. So to come back in and have them all cheering there for me, it just uh, made it that even bit sweeter. But, um, yeah, no... Um, he was a really, really nice horse. He he got out in front and just showed me the way. Yeah, he never stopped winning races, man of peace. I think he won 12 all up. Pretty hard to do. Definitely. He was a really, really nice horse. He tried very hard. Good apprentice's horse. Now, with work riders scarce on Sunday mornings, you got the job of trotting and cantering classic legend on several occasions, easily the most celebrated horse you've ever been on. Definitely. It was a big thrill to just get a sit on him and, you know, get to take him around the track. He was, for a sprinter, he had a very cool, calm demeanour um, and it was, yeah, it was great. I got along really well with Les Bridge and, and Carmel Size and, yeah, they were um, happy enough for me to take him around a few times, so it was a massive thrill and, yeah, definitely um, would have put my hand up to take him for a life after racing if the opportunity come along. Yeah, his Everest win was dynamic, wasn't it? Yes, it was, um, yeah, absolutely, you know, give, give you goosebumps. Mm. Les Bridge took a shine to you during your time in Sydney and he gave you several rides on a lovely mare called Madam Legend who you say is the best you've ridden in a race so far. You rode a six times all up, four wins, two placings, three of those wins were at Newcastle and one was on the Kenzo. 
yeah, she was a great horse to me. Um, you don't, you know, win four on many and especially I think three were consecutive wins. Um, she just went, took me through my grades and she went through her grades so easily and she was very versatile. You could sort of put her where you wanted to put her and she would always just knuckle down and give you everything she had. Um, yeah, she was a, a great horse and definitely one of the favourites. We've mentioned Kirk Matheson already, your partner, but we should mention that he was riding plenty of winners in the north a few years ago when he suffered nasty injuries in a Grafton race fall. He was out for a long time, he stacked on the weight and he abandoned any hope of race riding again. He did, however, decide to accept a track work position with Team Snowden while you were there and that brought you guys together again. Yeah, I um, when I moved down there, I just went down on my own to see how things would go. And once I decided to stay, and um, once he had, you know, got a bit heavy after that injury, um, he decided to come down and ride some work for them as well. So it was good. Um, he was a massive support to me while I was down there, and um, you know, obviously. I was working very hard and working some big hours, so it was good. I'd come home every night and there was dinner made and he'd have everything done at home. So uh, he was a massive help and just good to have. Um, been, been spoiled for most of your life, haven't you? <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> definitely I have. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do I do spoil him now. I think tables have turned. Oh, have they? <laughs> yes. Good on you. Well, eventually Kirk got all fired up again and he decided to return to the mid-north coast and regenerate his career. That was in 2020. He's still going, still riding and doing very well. Yeah, he's doing really well. Um, and it's nice. We've established ourselves um, in the Port Macquarie area now and obviously that's where I've grown up and he, he really enjoys living there and he's built some connections over the years and, uh, yeah, he's going really well, got the weight in check and... Um, yeah, he's, he's doing really well. Well, absence makes the heart grow fonder and it wasn't long before you made the decision to follow him back to Port Macquarie and re-establish contacts, although you were still sneaking to Sydney for a while for the odd ride. And I can remember you winning a race on accountability for Chris Waller at Rose Hill one day. Yeah, it was a really hard decision that I had to make to move home because I obviously really... Um, did everything I could to make it work down there and really wanted to make the best go of it that I could down there, but it, it didn't work out like that. So I decided to move home and um, thought it was a great decision when I did because I was happy being home. I was getting the support around the country and I was sneaking down there on a Wednesday and a Saturday and getting really good support. And to get that ride for Walla that day was, was amazing. And it was actually the outside of the field. I think I was the only girl in the race mm. and um had to be really, really patient on him. And the, when the gap come at the 200, he just sprinted through and, and hit the line. And, um, yeah, it was fantastic. I thought, you know, how good's this? I'm, I might get a bit of a roll along here now. Mm. Early in 2021, you got a roll along in the wrong way. You went out onto the track on Cotton Caper, a mare, to trot around to the 1,000-metre barrier when she decided to hump up and put in a little pig root or two, not uncommon when a horse is on the fresh side. 
but she didn't stop at one or two. Nobody knows how you stayed on as long as you did. She would not stop bucking. I definitely didn't stay on for long enough, though. I definitely won't claim to um, take a buck jumping career, that's for sure. That was a, that was enough for me, and the landing went all wrong. Um, she was heading towards the outside fence there at Lismore as she was bucking, and the further she went, the harder and the faster she got. And when I eventually come off, I just landed flat on my back and uh, broke my T3, 4 and 5. Um, so I was in quite a bit of pain after that. And so began the longest 12 months of your life and you tell me the first four were horrendous. Yeah, so I um, had to be helped to, you know, lay down in the bed and had to be helped to get up out of the bed and I went from the bed to the lounge, the bed to the lounge, lucky. Um, I had just got a new little puppy at home so that kept me... Um, good company and mm. kept me going a bit, but it was tough when you go from being so busy all the time and, you know, just absolutely thriving and loving what you're doing and then it, the next day you, you're stuck on a lounge or stuck in the bed, Um, it, it can be really, really hard and being in a fair bit of pain for a fair while like I was, um, I was happy once those four months were sort of over and I started to, the pain started to ease and I was started able to move around again. It was um, a weight lifted yeah, they were stable fractures, weren't they? Yeah, they were compressed fractures. So I'll, I'm a bit short as as it is, but I lost a little bit of height in that in that injury, a couple centimeters. Mm. But they were stable, and I didn't need to um, have any surgery or anything like that. So I was really lucky. It was just yeah. a lot of rest and uh, rehabilitation and time that was needed to heal. Yeah, you have a great friend who owns a gymnasium at nearby Warhope. And that's where you started to make rapid improvement. I think you took on hydrotherapy in a big way. Yes, I did. I went. I started with hydrotherapy and then um, I started going to physio and then I went to see my best friend at the gym. She's a personal trainer and I actually just started stretching. I wasn't working out or anything. I'd just go there every day and I'd just do lots of stretches with her and doing in doing all that, that really got me... Um, moving again and then as we progressed and was able to start doing more and more, I went down the personal training lines with Gabby and um, she she got me back to my best, definitely. Mm. Well, finally the day came when you could mount your trusty pony again and slowly but surely you found your rhythm. You made a quiet return at a little non-tab meeting called the Whoop Whoop Cup fixture at Warhope, and then you took several rides at Coffs Harbour right at the end of the year, 30th of December 2021, and you came down the outside fence to win a Class 1 on Imprinted, trained by Graham Payne. That was the man who put you on your first winner. Correct. Quite fitting, really, to ride my first winner back for him. And I actually um, flew past Kirk that day as well and beat him. So mm. that was a that was an added bonus. But um, no, it was really good to tick that first winner back off pretty soon because it does help with with the comeback. But the first meeting back at the Whoop Whoop Cup was a mm. a good, nice, quiet meeting to just poke around on a few and 
have a few fitness runs and mm. um, it was I was just wrapped to be, even though it was a long time in the making getting back into the saddle, um, I was glad that I waited the time and, and took the time that I needed to get fit and be completely strong again and it's um, helped up until now because I, I still don't have, you know, any grief with my back and, and I'm just glad I give it the time that it needed and I was looked after by um, – really good doctors through Race New South Wales. We're very lucky like that. Mm. We'll just pause for a moment, CJ, to clear a commitment on the podcast. We'll come back with you after this. Australian trainers are giving Pride's Racing Cube the thumbs up. These small but powerful extruded cubes provide the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses finish their races off while promoting gut health. Racing Cube is a set recipe formulation in which the same premium quality proteins and essential amino acids are used in every batch produced. Racing Cube's profile and digestibility allows you to feed approximately two to three kilos less per day than similar raw grain rations. It's salt-free to help reduce irritation if you've got a horse prone to stomach ulcers. Mornington trainer Jason Warren introduced his horses to Racing Cube early this year and is delighted with the results. We've had a great deal of success since making that change, so really pleased with rides and not only the racing cubes, they've got a number of other feeds that work well for us. Pride's Racing Cube is available in the popular 25 kilo bag, in bulk bags or straight into the silo if you prefer, giving you quality equine nutrition at a very economical price. Talk to your local rep about Racing Cube, another winner from the Pride's Easy Feed Stable. Trainers are giving it the tick of approval all around the nation. Our special guest is CJ Graham. Now, following that um, comeback win on Imprinted at Coffs Harbour, you took off. Away you went, riding winners all over the place. But Lady Luck wasn't done with you just yet. In April 2022, you rode a mare called Emma Rosa for Matt Dunn at Grafton. She fell in the home straight. And this time, CJ, and you're not too proud to admit it, you bailed out. I did. I uh, could feel she was going to go down on me, so I, de- I just had to get off while I could. So I, I jumped off, and I think I definitely need to learn the terms to tuck and roll because I've got a bad habit of putting my wrists out when I yeah. fall. But um, the wrists definitely, you know, saved anything else breaking. Um, it was just unfortunate that I did sustain an- another wrist injury, um, and it was quite a bad one. Yeah, and it was the other wrist this time, wasn't it? Yes, it was the other other one this time. So I mm. don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing that I did did the other one, but um, I definitely knew the process of how how it all went. Yeah, you were out for a long out for a long time though, weren't you? Yes, I was out for what was it this time? Nearly eight, yeah, nine months. Um, I had quite a pro- few problems with it. I was lucky enough to go down and see the same surgeon that. Um, did my first wrist and he's a fantastic surgeon. He put all the metal work in and put it all back together and all things seem to be um, going well. But um, I was still just getting quite a lot of pain with it around the six-month mark and knew that something wasn't right and a pin actually popped up next to my scar 
And I went straight into my hand therapist and said, like, what is this? Mm. And um, three days later I was down in Sydney to have all the hardware removed. It had actually lifted off the bone and was crushing my tendons, so that's why I was having so much trouble with it. Mm. Oh, dear me. Well, you came back with a bang at Port Macquarie in February, only eight or nine weeks ago. I think with a double, wasn't it? And, and both trained by your old boss, John Sprague. Yeah, I couldn't have um, wished for a better comeback, that's for sure. To ride two was um, was amazing and both for John. Um, it was a pretty emotional day. I got pretty emotional, you know. It's um, mm. it's a big thing to come back and, and you know, ha- I had pretty good rides all day and to ride two winners, it was, um, it was surreal and I was just so grateful for the support and um, it's continued. I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, you're probably still... Sorting out a routine, aren't you? Like you're going to Queensland quite often. Uh, you're always at Port, you're at Taree, Coffs Harbour, Lismore, Grafton, all of the local meetings. You're really spreading your wings at the moment, but you will eventually settle into a routine. Yeah, definitely. I think while I've still got um, my claim left, I've only got I think nine or ten months left of my apprenticeship, feel as though I've really got to make use of having that claim. That's why I'm trying to spread myself around everywhere and get up this way as much as I can. And um, over time, you know, I'm definitely building some more contacts up here, which is really nice. But um, I've definitely set myself up at Port Macquarie, so that's where I'd like to settle down um, once I'm no longer an apprentice and really try to make my mark in the country and I guess sort of follow in the footsteps as dad, as you could say. But um, in the meantime, I'd really just love if I could – um, keep doing what I'm doing and get, you know, get rides here and there and have the best of both worlds, so to speak. But definitely is um, a lot of miles and it's a lot of hard work, but I've had enough time off. I don't definitely don't want any more time off and I'm willing no. to do anything that it takes to really make things work. Lightweight jockeys don't have the advantage they once had. I mean, years ago, the jockey who could ride at 48, 49, 50 kilos was in a great position, especially when the big handicap races came up every year. Um, Nowadays, of course, the weight scale is much higher uh, and the lightweight doesn't have the uh, luxury that he once had. But in your case, it's, it's nice to know it's there. What is the very lightest you could ride with notice? Um, I rode 49 one day um, when I was down in Sydney and I did that pretty easy, but I could I could probably definitely ride 48 with enough notice. I walk around about 51, 52 at the moment and that's um, definitely eating too much chocolate than what I should. Um, but yeah. the, the lightweight, heavyweight is definitely a debate in our household between myself and Kirk. I... I would like them to be as light as possible and he would like them to be as heavy as possible. Yes, yeah. You are a chocoholic. I am. Self-confessed. Yes, definitely. I could um, definitely forego a meal for a block of chocolate. I'm very, very bad on chocolate. (laughs) Goodness me. Oh, well, mate, 48 or 49 kilos. Uh, You've got an Epsom coming up later this year. You've got a Doncaster next year. You'll always find a couple down there on the featherweight. That's it. You can um, you can only dream, and 
hopefully, John, if I can just keep a bit of momentum up and surely that's my um, injuries out of the road and I can just build some momentum over the next few years and, and work really hard, I'd be, I'd be very happy with that. I just want to acknowledge three special people in your life, CJ. Your mum, Karen, is a superstar, isn't she, behind the scenes. She runs the Lake Innes property when you and Dad are away at race meetings and she's a pretty good hand with the horse, you tell me. Definitely. She's, um, yeah, the, the rock of our family and definitely the backbone behind Dad's racing stable. She's there to do everything and she... Um, keeps everything going and she's um, really good with the horses and loves taking my sister and me when I can to events. She's um, she's always there and willing to take us wherever we need to. And your sister is Rory, who's 19. She's an exquisite rider in her own right, especially in the show jumping arena. She's currently riding a thoroughbred called Net Worth. I think he's a fast net rock who actually belongs to you, but you haven't got time to ride him. Yes, that's correct. And believe it or not, I just um, only a two days ago just give her my other pony because I'm too busy at the moment. So I've got her riding him for me at the moment as well, but she's a very good rider and absolutely loves the show jumping and um, she nursed Networth back from a few injuries. He had to have a few years off as well, and she's got him back jumping a metre 20, 30 at home and competing a metre 10 and 15 out mm. at the shows and stuff at the minute. So she's going really well, and um, I couldn't, we couldn't convince her to be a jockey, although Dad didn't. That no, none of them tried. I tried to convince her to be a jockey, but yeah. she done. She didn't want to do that. She works at the stables of an afternoon and things like that, but really just loves a pony, so she might be able to pursue a show jumping career one day. Who knows? And brother Jesse, special mention of him, another talented rider, who did try his hand as an apprentice jockey. He rode a number of winners, but he then made a sudden decision. Yes, he was a very good rider in himself, and um, he wasn't blessed with the lightweight like myself. He's quite tall like Dad, and um, as he got older, he just filled out quite quickly and uh, wasn't able to keep the weight down. So he um, decided to hang up the boots and pursue another job, and um, he's a dad now to a beautiful little one-and-a-half-year-old named Tully, so he's, he's thriving as well. There's a beautiful photo of you... Jesse and your dad together, all riding in the same race, I think at Port Macquarie. The photo was taken on the veranda outside the weighing room. You're all in silks, uh, ready to mount up. I think Grant Peters from Trackside Photography captured the moment. It's a beautiful photo, and I'll make sure that we post it alongside the podcast heading when this goes onto the website. Yes, I've definitely got one of them on the wall. We've um, all got a winning photo on the wall along with that one and um, I've also got a winning photo of the wall with, with um, me beating Dad as well. So there's some um, some great memories. But no, how lucky are we to say that we've um, all ridden in a race together. It's pretty cool. You spent 18 months in Sydney. During that time, you rode with and against some of the great riders of the modern era. Now, let me just close with this one cj your most inspirational country rider we'll deal with that one firstly your dad yes. i presume 
Yes, definitely, um, Dad. Um, with what he's achieved in his career is massive, and if I could even do a quarter of what he's done, I'd be one happy girl. But just the way, um, you know, he presents himself to the races and and things like that, and he he gets along with everyone, and he he's just got such a cool demeanor about him. Um, yeah, if I could do anything of what he's done, I'd, I'd be happy. But um, there is another person in the country, mm-hmm. um, probably Michaela. We have always, since I started, um, just really idolised how she has done things. She never moved to the city or done mm-hmm. anything like that, but she's had a, had a great apprenticeship and a, and a great career and, you know, she likes her property and things like that. So I, I definitely, um, you know, look at her and, think, you know, if I could ride as many winners as her and establish myself in the country like her, um, I'd be very happy with that. And who are your role models in the metropolitan area? Um, definitely Rachel King. Um, if I could even get to the heights she has gotten to, you know, that would just be a, an absolute dream. What she's done in the Sydney riding ranks is is massive. She's a credit to the female jockeys. Certainly is, and on in the male bracket. Um, in the male bracket, um, there are so many to mention. Too many to there mention. Is, there, there are really because the the quality of them are, are just incredible. Really, like even you know getting to ride with them down there when I spent my time in Sydney and at the trials and track work, I'd get to ride with Kieran and uh, Hugh and Tommy Berry and those sort of people, it was um, an experience um, that I'll I'll never forget, that's for sure. CJ Graham, you've endeared yourself to many people in the racing industry since becoming an apprentice jockey, and it's been an absolute delight to catch up on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for being so gracious with your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. This is the time of year when Sydney's metropolitan racetracks get a brief respite. The Gosford Race Club is gearing up for its most important meeting of the year on Saturday, May 6th, when the half-million dollar The Coast for three- and four-year-olds over one mile will highlight a top program. The Coast last year launched a unique treble for the Chris Lees-trained Rustic Steel, who next start won the Scone Cup, and a few months later, the inaugural Big Dance. Co-features at Gosford will be the listed Gosford Gull Cup and the listed Takeover Target Stakes. The feature sprint was originally known as the Pace Setter Stakes, famously won by Takeover Target in 2004. And not surprisingly, the Pace Setter was renamed the Takeover Target Stakes in 2009. The Gosford Entertainment Grounds will be fairly humming on Saturday, May the 6th. Action swings to the hunter on Friday, May 12th, when the Scone Cup and the English two-year-old challenge will highlight the first day of the carnival. Saturday the 13th will see five stakes races run on the Scone track. The Group 3 Dark Jewel for Phillies and Mares, along with the Luskin Star, the Hortensia, the Denise's Joy and the Woodland Stakes. The championships are done and dusted for another year, but there's plenty happening on the Central Coast and in the Hunter 6th, 12th and 13th of May.